Hebrews chapter number 2, if you found your place in your Bible, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read one verse, pray, and then let you be seated. I'm going to give you introductions, going to come from chapter number 1, and then I'm going to share what I believe the Lord has spoke to my heart about, uh, and about out of this text, but also just some things that I want to make sure that have, some things in my own life that I need to be reminded of, all right? The Bible says this, Hebrews chapter number 2, verse number 1, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. I'm going to read it one more time. just so. We, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Would you help us pray? And then you can be seated. Father, we love you because you first loved us. God, we come to you Tonight, God, as humble as we know how, thanking you for the opportunity to pray. Thank you for the opportunity to read the Bible. Thank you for the singing uh, tonight and the special singing, the congregational singing. Thank you for the good spirit that's in here, the spirit of liberty that's already here tonight. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people that make it up. Thank you for those that have decided to show up uh, again on a night service. And I pray, God, that you would help me to preach with power and unction of the Holy Ghost of God. You know what you've dealt with my heart about. And I have tried my best to pray over it this week. And even just a moment ago, praying and making sure uh, that the, for the will of God, for this particular service, for our people, and for my own self, you know what I need. Father, I pray, God, this evening, you'd help me preach with power and unction. I pray, God, that you would give me anointing. I pray, God, that you'd let me uh, say everything I need to say, but please guard me from not saying anything that I don't need to say. Please, Lord, help me preach the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God. Hebrews says this, Hebrews 2 says, Therefore, therefore, now I heard as a young person growing up in church, every time a preacher said there was a therefore in your Bible, you need to know what it's there for. For. We need to know what it's there for, and we're going to see that in just a moment. It says, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. He says here, there's some things that we need to be listening to. There's some things that we ought to give more earnest heed to, the things that we ought to be listening more closely to, uh, listening more importantly to. Uh, there's some things that have been said in the past that we need to pay attention to. And these things that have been said are things that we've got to be careful of not allowing to slip in our hearts and in our minds. We can't let these things slip. We've got to get a grip on some of these things that have been said previously. And chapter number one gives us a summary just by way of introduction of some things that we cannot let slip in our lives but also in our church. And verse number one of chapter number one, watch it, says God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets have in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he had appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the world. He says this in chapter in verse number one of chapter one. He is a God of inspiration. Uh, listen, there is an attack on the word of God uh, this morning, uh, this evening. I don't want to get hung up here, uh, but I'm going to say this. We still believe that we have an infallible, inerrant, inspired word from heaven tonight. Thank God for a King James Bible. Thank God we have a Bible that God inspired. He breathed 
how. But I'm glad not only did he inspire it, I'm glad he preserved it and gave us a copy of it. I'm glad I've got a Bible. I don't know where. I thank God what you said, Brother Chris. I don't know how to be a daddy. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a preacher, but I've got a book. Thank God for a Bible that'll teach us how to be a family man and teach us how to be a faith-filled man. I thank God that we can have a, we've got a Bible that teaches us everything we need to know. Thank God for a Bible. And thank God this Bible is not the, the will of man, but it's the will of God who spake, who God spake these things in these last days. He's a God of inspiration. But verse number two also tells us, and verse number three says he's a God of incarnation. We still believe in the deity of Christ around here. Amen. We still believe that Christ, God, a Christ is God the Son. Hey, listen, we believe in the co-equal, co-existent Trinity. We believe that God the Son is just as much God as God the Father, and God the Spirit is just as much God as God the Son. Uh, the goat, they're three in one and one in three. Uh, but we believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Uh, and the Bible said in verse number three, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. You want to know God, you've got to know Jesus. You want to know the Father, you've got to know his Son. Uh, hey, listen, uh, he's, he's the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin. So he's a God of incarnation, a God of inspiration. Watch it, he's a God of salvation. Verse number three, it says, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, by himself, not with your works at it, not with a priest's works at it, not with your parents' works at it, but him by himself purged our sin, sat down on the right hand of the master on high. I'm glad my friend, our salvation is wrapped up in the lovely Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Hey, thank God when he said it is finished, it was finished. It was done. I thank God our salvation is not based on what we can do. It's not based on what somebody else has to do. But it's what Jesus Christ has already done. It's paid in full. He's purged our sin on the cross of Calvary. And he sat down when he got done. Thank God he's a God of inspiration. He's a God of incarnation. He's a God of say, hey, we're not changing the doctrine on the Bible and we're not changing the doctrine on God and we're not changing our doctrine on salvation. Amen. And we're not yoking up with a crowd that don't believe the Bible way of salvation. Amen. Uh, by grace through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God and that's how we preach it and that's how we're going to keep on preaching. Amen. He's a God of salvation. Watch this in verse number four. He's a God of domination. Being made so much better, <laughs> so much better than the angels. And he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Hey, listen, God is more dominant than any angel there could be. You talk about Michael, you talk about Gabriel, but you're still talking about somebody that's less than God the Son. He's better. He's so much better. Amen. He's got a more excellent name. He's got a, he's holier. He's higher. We still believe that around here. But watch this in verse number 9. This is the part people don't like. We also believe he's a God of indignation. Look in verse number 9. Thou hast loved righteousness, watch this, and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. He's a God of indignation. God still hates sin. God still hates sin. And we, like, we might tiptoe around on it. And we might be, get soft on it, but God's not soft on sin. You want to think about what you want to know what God thinks about your personal sin. You look at bloody Calvary. You look at look at what God did to His own, what God allowed to happen to His own dear Son, and that's what He thinks about your little pet sin. 
That's what he thinks about that sin that you won't let go of. That sin that you just allow to keep growing on in your life and keep going on in your life. God thinks so much. He hates it so bad. He allowed his son to be beaten and marred and ripped apart and hung on a cross all for that sin that you've got. Not just your sin, my sin as well. Thank God not just for my sin, but the sin of the whole world. But that's what God thinks about sin. He hates sin every day. He, he does. He, he, he loves righteousness and hates iniquity. Then he's a God of creation. Verse number 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning have laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hand. We still believe in six 24-hour literal days of creation. Amen. We still believe this earth is a, is a young earth. We believe it's a six to 8,000 years old. When you, when you hear or read of a billion, billion years ago, you just go ahead and mark that off as trash. Amen. I mean, even if they say 100,000 years ago, just say, eh, everything they're about to say is wrong. You say, you're not that dogmatic. I'm that dogmatic about it. If they don't believe the simplicity of creation, I don't care what else they believe, it ain't right. Amen. And so we still believe God is a God of creation. But then... He's a God of continuation. Verse number 11. They shall perish. What's he talking about? They shall perish. Well, the heavens and earth are going to pass away one day. Right? And those that don't believe, right, all that unrighteous, that wicked crowd is going to pass away one day. But notice what he says. Thou, they, they shall perish, watch this, but thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as doth the garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. Watch this. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. He's a God of continuing. Y'all believe that? Y'all believe God hadn't changed? Y'all believe the God of 50 years ago is still the God of today? You believe God of 500 years ago is still the God of today? <laughs> you believe the God of 5,000 years ago is still the God of today? I do. I believe he's not changed. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has not changed. But we sure have, haven't we? As I look in these doctrines, and I could, I could preach a whole message, and I have in the past preached a whole message just out of that. Chapter number 2, verse number 1 says, Therefore, because of those things we believe about God, because of what we believe about God, giving us His Word, inspiring His Bible, and bringing His Son to save us from our sin, that He is greater, He's holier, He's higher, He's better than all the angels and anybody else you want to try, try to throw up there, He's better. Because He's a God that loves righteousness and hates sin. Because He's a God who created this heaven, the heavens and earth and created us. And because He's a God that has not changed, therefore, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, watch this, lest at any time we should let them slip. I want to preach on tonight, God be my helper, just for a few more minutes. I'm preaching this message on red flags on the way to destruction. Red flags on the way to destruction. I, I looked this up. This is from weather.gov. There are two types of red flag warnings that we know of, and there's probably more out there, but there are two prominent types of red flag warnings you can have. One of them deals with fire, and one of them deals with the ocean. A red flag warning 
when it deals with fire, here's what it means. It means, this is just straight off of the website, weather.gov, means warm temperatures, very low humidities, and stronger winds are expected to combine to produce an increased risk of fire danger. So a red flag warning as far as, the, the, as, far as fire is concerned means there's there, the, the temperatures, the atmosphere, the environment is conducive for a wildfire. Everything, every, the, wet, the temperature, the humidity, the wind is all combined and it's an increased risk of fire danger. Here's what they say. There's four bullet points there on the weather.gov. Uh, is what they say. If you're allowed to burn in your area, all burn barrels must be covered with a weighted metal cover with holes no larger than three quarters of an inch. Do not throw cigarettes or matches out of a moving vehicle. They may ignite dry grass on the side of the road and become a wildfire. Extinguish all outdoor fires properly. Drown fires with plenty of water and stir to make sure everything is cold to the touch. Dunk charcoal in water until cold. Do not throw live charcoal on the ground and leave it. And then it says, never leave a fire unintended. Sparks or embers can blow into leaves or grass, ignite a fire, and quickly spread. When I read that, here's what I thought. I thought, man... You see people throw a cigarette out all the time in their car, and really, I never think much about it. You see it throw out the car, you see it hit the, the pavement, you see those embers come off the cigarette, and, and I, I, it's something really small I don't think about. I don't think about making sure dumping all, if I cook them a charcoal grill, I don't put all the charcoal in a bucket of water and dump it out and rinse it out and, make sure, and then touch it, make sure it's cold before I dump it out. I don't think much a lot of times about the embers. I don't think much about the embers or, or the sparks of a fire if we was to have a fire out in the backyard. Many times I don't. But here's what they're saying about this red flag warning. Here's what I, here's what I thought about with that red flag warning as far as fire is concerned. Here's what, that something really small could cause a whole lot of damage. Something that's so small that we don't think much about. Matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of Job that as the, smart, as the spark flies up, talking about, you know, that spark just flies up, just goes away most of the time, doesn't it? We hardly even think about a spark or an ember flying up out of that fire and just disappearing. We don't think much about it. But when there's a red flag warning out, when there's a red flag warning out about fire, it's saying, hey, there's something small that could cause some big problems. There's something small that if you're not careful, if you don't pay attention to, red flag warning, you better take care of the little stuff or something big's going to happen. There's another red flag that we know of, and many of us may know more about this, and this is on weather.gov, but this is part of the Florida's beach warning flag system. You go down to the, the beach, coast, whatever you call it. Uh, they're, they got flag system. They have the green flag, the yellow flag, a red flag, and then a double red flag. Y'all green and yellow, y'all pretty much probably know what that means. But a red flag, here's what I read. This is, what, this is on weather.gov. Red flag, just one red flag means strong and frequent riptide. It, red flag means dangerous rip current activity is expected. The rip currents would be likely to be stronger and more frequent. It is recommended to stay out of water. Now, now, if you don't understand what that rip current is, that, that's that undertow, a lot of people will call it. It comes up under you and it'll grab you and pull you out. 
and it comes up under the waves, under the water. One red flag says it's recommended, don't get under the water. But then you could have a double red flag. And a double red flag means this, water is closed. It is too dangerous for anybody to be in. Matter of fact, you could get arrested or fined if you get in the water. It's that dangerous. Two red flags. And here's what I thought, that fire, that fire red flag, there's something small that could cause some big problems. But you could be sitting on the balcony of your condo or your hotel, or you could be walking down the shore or the coastline, and you, might not, and you may look at that red flag and think, well, it don't look that bad out here. It don't seem that, wonder why the red flag's out. Because you can't see the rip current. You can't see that, 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 that undertow. You can't see it. Under, now, many times they've been, I've seen a red flag and I've seen the water and I think, I'm glad there's a red flag. I, I wouldn't go out there if it was a green flag the way it looks right now. But you can't see that undertow. You can't see that rip current. And, and here's what I saw. There's something small in that fire that can cause a lot of damage, but there's something that you can't see on the outside in that rip current that could cause a whole lot of damage. And the government... Y'all know how, how honest and pure they are. The government says they some red flags. Be careful. Be careful. One red flag. Just be careful. If you, I, we recommend you don't even go out there. We, we recommend you don't even get close to it. Don't, don't. And if we put two out there, we're going to find you. I mean, we're going to get on to you. You're not going to go out there. Not on our watch anyway. Red flag warning, 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 warning. So tonight, just real quick, real, real quick, and this is going to be simple, simple, simple preaching, but hard living. I'm going to throw out some red flag warnings on the way to destruction. You ever been in a situation where you thought everything looked good on the outside, but on the inside you felt uncomfortable, uneasy, maybe nervous? Those feelings for a believer are red flags. See, the Holy Ghost is inside of you. If you are a believer, if you're saved by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit is indwelling you, and He is leading you. He is guiding you. He is directing you into all truth. He's trying to. And sometimes He puts some red flags out there, and He's saying, watch out! Danger ahead! I've preached it here before. It's the ant eh, in our life. That Holy Ghost, ant, eh, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go there. And, and that uneasiness, that uncomfortableness. Well, I said maybe that's that gut feeling. Oh, it's more than a gut feeling. It's more than an instinct for a believer. The Holy Spirit of God throws some red flags. See, see, God is our guide. He is our counselor. He is our comforter. And he promises he'll lead us and guide us through life with every season of our life. But in his goodness and in his mercy, he gives us some red flags in our hearts if something's going to bring danger or destruction. Tonight, if I could, if I could help. You out, if I could help one person out uh, tonight by help, by, by the leading of the Lord, I just want to wave some red flags. And listen, these red flags are not meant for you not to have, are not meant to, uh, to keep you from having fun or living a full life, but rather they are to help keep you on the right path for your life so you can live the life God wants you to live. So you can have life and have it more abundantly, these red flags. Uh, hey, listen, learning to follow God when it does not make sense, uh, requires us to trust Him and to obey Him. But I promise you, it is worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it being sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. 
Now some of y'all may you call yourself a daredevil. I say you're stupid. But if there's a red flag out, I don't care what the water looks like. I'm not going out there. You can do what you want to. I'm not going to. And again, you, and that's your life. But I'm, my life's more precious than that. I mean, I'm ready to go to heaven and everything. But I don't plan on going today. Right? And if God wants to take me out, he can pull that tide all the way up and snatch me out there. But I'm not volunteering to go out there. There's a red flag out, red flag warning. I'm not just going to set my grass up, my ditch on fire to get the weeds out on a red flag warning day. Now you might, you might be, a, I know I got a little rebel in me too. You know, so I ain't no government going to tell me where I can burn my ditch. Well, go ahead, burn your ditch in your house too. I mean, but I'm not going to. And there's a lot of people, the Holy Ghost, whether it be that instinct, that in swelling where he, eh, 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 or, or maybe just a, just a old simple preacher gets up and he throws some red flags up. And you've got a choice to make. You can cross them if you want to. You ain't got to do nothing about it. Matter of fact, some of you done turned off. And that's fine. That's up to you. That's between you and God. I'm going to answer whether I preach this message or not. And you'll have to answer whether you receive it or not. They're not meant to keep you from having fun. But I promise you, if you follow God when you don't understand, I don't understand all that. I don't understand none of that. I don't understand the fire stuff or the beach stuff. But I just say, hey, them smart people put a red flag up. I'm going to listen to them. And so you, you trust God. You trust his, and you obey him. It'll be worth it. Why? Because, listen, I, I told him this morning in Sunday school, we, in, in, our, in our Bible class this morning, we talked about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And listen, if you, if, you, if you ignore the voice of God when he's throwing red flags out in your life, you might miss him when he's trying to comfort you during the storm. In John 14, 15, 16, God, uh, Christ tells us that the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. Four times in those three chapters, he's called the Comforter. And everybody wants the Comforter, but nobody wants the Counselor who tells them, eh, eh, eh. And you ignore him on the red flags, and then you're not going to hear him when he's trying to comfort you. You ignore him when he's trying to correct you, you might miss him when he's trying to comfort you. So these red flags... I want to talk to you about these red flags. Now listen, all of us have drifted at times in our relationship with Christ. Every one of us have. And you might be in that riptide right now. That undertow may be pulling you out right now. And nobody can see it. But God's going to throw some red flags. Number one, this is real simple, y'all. Listen, number one, you stop reading your Bible regularly. You just stop having a regular Bible reading time. That sounds so simple. At least all oh, my goodness. I thought you was going to really preach tonight. If you'll listen, I'm going to help you. You don't have a regular designated time where you sit down and there's no distractions. It's just you and your Bible. Do you have an appointment with God? You, you have appointments with everybody else. If you looked at my calendar, I had somebody look at my calendar. They saw it on my phone, and they was like, my goodness. I mean, it's covered up, all kinds of different colors for different reasons. I mean, it's just swamped. It's covered. And I got appointments with people tomorrow. I got appointments all week long with stuff going on. But Have you made an appointment? You probably got appointments. Have you got an appointment with God? 
He said, no, I just do it when I feel like it. It means you're probably not doing it regularly. Well, I'm just spontaneous, you know, and sometimes I do it there, sometimes I do it there, and sometimes I don't do it at all. Have you lost the hunger for God's Word? Maybe, maybe you, you read your Bible, but it's just something to check off the list just in case somebody found your list. Maybe it's just something more to check off your list because I've threatened in the past, what if I met you at the door and said, what, you've been reading your Bible this week? And maybe you're thinking, one day that crazy preacher's going to actually do that. <laughs> I need to have something I'm checking off. Or maybe you're just doing it out of duty. And it's not about spending time in his presence. It's not about hearing from God. It's just white words on white paper, checking off the to-do list if you're doing it at all. Tonight, you're not going to give me the excuse of I just don't have time. Because you have just as much time as everybody else in this room. You have 24 hours in every single day. You choose how you use those hours. You choose how you use those minutes. You choose how you use those seconds. So there's a red flag. If you don't have an appointment with God, you need to make one. There's a red flag. If you're not reading your Bible regularly, I mean every single day, every day, getting in the Word of God and let the Word of God, there's a red flag. I'm just trying to wave it tonight. Warning, warning, warning. You're on your way to destruction. Number two, you're not praying. Oh, you, you, you say the blessing over your food. But it's just a routine memorization thing you do. Oh, you say your prayers before you go to bed, but it's just, it's just a routine. You've always said it that way, and that's, that's what you do. You say things out loud where, you're, where people around you hear it, and you even close it in Jesus' name, amen. But you're not praying. You're not talking to God. Are you putting it off? I'll pray tomorrow. Well, I'll pray when I get in the car. But you get in the car and the radio's on. And that, that talk show host is talking about what's going on in politics and you, you, you got to hear that. So I can't pray now, but I'll pray later. I'll, I'll pray when I get a chance. But that chance never comes. I'll get, I'll get around to it. I, I remember when I was a teenager, our preacher went and bought some wooden, round wooden things, and he put to it, T-U-I-T. And he gave out round to it, round to it. So he said, everybody wants to get around to it. Here's your around to it. And that's what you do with your prayer life. I'm just go, I'll get around to pray it. I'll get around to praying. But you don't have a real prayer life. Hey, do you, can I ask you again? Do you have an appointment with God? A time that you set aside every day. This might challenge some of you to go look at your schedule and say, all right, well, I've got to have a time. Hey, and then we've got some retired folks in here. And you say, well, I ain't got no schedule. You need to have one with God. You need to have one with God. There's a red flag. I'm trying to warn you. And you say, oh, I'm too old to fall. I'm too old to mess up. Oh, no, we are, you are not safe until you're in the grave. There's a red flag. I'm trying to wave to make an appointment with God to read your Bible and make an appointment to pray. You young people. You are not going to survive the wicked world you're growing up in without a, a regular time in the Word of God and a regular time in prayer. There's no way you're going to make it in this world. There's no way. 
This is the darkest, darkest hour. Well, because we're right before dawn. But it's dark. It's wicked. And you're not going to survive without a prayer life and Bible reading life. It just ain't going to happen. Sing a song. Shout amen. Raise your hand. Weep in tears. I mean, testify. Preach a message. Teach a lesson. Whatever. But if you don't have a regular Bible reading and regular prayer line, there's no way you're going to make it. Adults, we ain't going to make it in this world. We had a regular time of God speaking to us through his word and us speaking to God in prayer. You want to talk to God? That's the way you do it. Prayers, you talking to God. Bible readings, Him talking back to you. So if you don't got, if you if you're not reading your Bible regular, if you're not praying regular, I'm putting out a red flag. I wish you'd heed the warning. You're on your way to destruction. You say it's a simple preaching. It's really hard living though sometimes, ain't it? Number three. Missing assembling together with believers doesn't bother you. Now, this is really weird. We preach on Sunday night. Look, we've got a good crowd on Sunday night. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here. But when we miss assembling with the other believers, it don't really bother us. Matter of fact, if we could have found a better excuse to do something else tonight, we'd have probably done it. And maybe I'm not talking to nobody. Maybe I'm talking to the young person and the only reason you're here is because you just don't want mom and daddy breathing down your neck. Or maybe I'm talking to the adult that you just don't want to get the call or the text message from somebody else in the church. We missed you. Because you think we're judging you and what we really are, we just care about you. You watch that crowd that thinks that. You go up to them and say, hey, we missed you. And they think, I'm not judging you. Just, we care about you. It don't bother you to miss the assembly. Hey, I'm not, no, no roses on me. No roses on me. Did you know why I drove three and a half hours? Actually, it became four and a half hours because I missed my turn on Wednesday night to get here. They just, I know I could have been in church with half our crowd, literally. Half our crowd was up there. I could have been in church with them. And I was going to be in church. But you know, I just didn't want to miss being with y'all. Amen. And you know why? Me and Brother Brian got in the car and traveled another four hours. And God got in about 1.30 on uh, Thursday morning because I wanted to assemble with the believers up there. Hey. You say, no, no, no you, you're the preacher. You're supposed to be that way. Well, what, what about before I was a preacher? What about when I ain't got the appointment to preach? What about when I ain't getting, uh, when, I, when, I, when I ain't on church salary and and the church paying my bills and all that kind. What about then? Hey, you know what? There's something in me. That when I'm not around God's people, something's different. I don't like it. I don't like not being around y'all. That's why we have so much fellowship and all kinds of stuff. Working ministry, working together. I just like being around God's people. Amen. Sorry. Number four. It don't affect you when you miss church, but it don't affect you when you're not around your other Christians even outside of church you'd, you'd rather be around lost people than be around saved people because you know them saved folks they just always talking about the Bible and Jesus and the gospel Bible this and Bible that 
had family members tell me one time, you're always judging us. I said, how am I judging us? You just walk in and you talk about the church and what you're doing at the church and the meetings you're having at the church. And I said, I said what's that got? To, why am I judging you? It's always about God and the Bible. I said, that's my life. <laughs> Thought you were saved. <laughs> but you'd rather be around that lost crowd. You don't, you don't want to be around God's people. You don't want that accountability. It's a red flags. You don't want to be around his word. and don't want to pray. You don't want to be around the church. You don't want to be around God's people outside the church. Watch this. What about this? Number five. You're doing things you once thought you were done with. What do I mean? Maybe unwholesome words are slipping in. Your mouth is like a filthy toilet. Or maybe it's not that bad yet, but you're letting them slip here and there. You're saying words that you ought not say. Hey, by the way, I'm still against cussing. Amen. I think a saved person ought to have a saved mouth. Amen. Nobody preaches on that no more, but God ain't changed. Amen. I, I believe that uh, I'm against Christian cussing. You say, what are you talking about? That slang language. That's so close to a cuss word, but it ain't quite, you know. It ain't the exact cuss word, but it sounds so much like it. Everybody goes, what you just say? Well, that's nasty talk. I said it on Wednesday, I'm going to say it again, that a, a, a man who uses foul language is because you're ignorant and a woman does it, you're trashy. I can't believe you said, well, get right with God and I won't say it about you. Amen. You rubbing the cat back, then turn the cat around. Amen. I'm not taking that back. That is. That's ignorant and trashy using foul language. It is. Maybe that's slipping up again. Or, or maybe, maybe there's some places you used to not would go, but now you're kind of like, eh, well, you know, it ain't that bad. Just one time. You start justifying things that God told you to leave alone. God said, don't do that. You know, there's some things in my life I do not have a Bible verse for. But God says, you better not do it. And last I checked in my Bible, he that knows to do right and doeth it not. To him that knows to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. So I believe those things that God told me not to do that I don't have a Bible verse for. If I do them, I, think, I believe it's sin. According to that verse. But, but you're, you're letting it be justified now because you saw somebody on social media that says they're a Christian. They do it. So you go, well, it's got to be okay. Or you see some, some preacher down the road and he's on, he's on social media and he's okay wearing that stuff or listening to that stuff or talking about that stuff. So you think, well, okay. Well, if they can do it, surely I can do it. You start letting that stuff slip in. You start doing some things that God told you not to do. I'm just raving some red flags. You're on the path to destruction. There's, there's a little thing in your life that's going to cause a big wildfire. Y'all remember a couple years ago when the, when the Smokies caught on fire? They said that, that was just little small things that took place. And it burned everything down. That same time frame, there was a little campfire, a little something happened over here on the mountain. Started burning all that up. They said it's by just a, little, a small thing. Something we don't even think much about. But it caught the whole, whole mountain on fire. 
and you start doing some of that stuff that God told you not to do, God convicted you about, God drew you to himself and said, I don't want you doing that, my child. I don't, hey, you know what? There's some things I don't let my kids do that you may let your kids do, and I don't think nothing about it. I don't judge you about that, but my kids ain't going to do it. Why? Because they're my kids. They're not yours. And God's got some things he don't want us doing. That. The whole world's okay doing it. It's fine. But there's some things he don't want us doing because we're his kids. And you start going back and start justifying that stuff. Yeah, there's a little thing that's going to cause a big problem. There's something hidden. You, nobody even knows it but you and God. It's going to pull you under on the path of destruction. What about this? The fruit of the Spirit is lacking in your life. I, some of you in here know trees and plants and all that. So I remember we was on a, we was having a cookout years ago. We had that cookout over there at Ralston's place over there on the river. And we was walking through the woods and old brother David Glass said, hey, preacher, right right here. He, he grabbed a, a weed. He said, chew on that right there. Put it in my mouth, chewed on it. He said, what does it taste like? I said, it tastes like raw peanuts. And he started describing what that plant was. And he said, if you're ever out in the woods and you need something to eat, find that thing. And that'll give you some, some nourishment. I said, brother, glass. I said, man, it'd be my luck. I'd grab up some, some kind of poison, put it in my mouth. As soon as it hits my lip, I fall over dead. He said, well, no, you just look at this. I said, I, yeah, that's great right now. I could probably go right now, turn around and find one. But tomorrow, I'll forget all what you just said. I, I failed horticulture. I don't know. I dropped that. Matter of fact, I withdraw from horticulture class, all right? I did. I went and took an extra PE my senior year so I can be closer to the parking lot so I can leave when the bell rung. <laughs> I don't know nothing about plants. I mean, I, but some of y'all do. I could not walk up to a tree and say, well, by that bark and by those leaves, that's a grape tree. The grape, grapes go on a tree. They go on vines. See, I told you I failed it. That's an apple tree. That, that goes on trees, don't it? By that bark and that pattern on that leaf and the way those branches go like this, that's an orange tree. I don't know. But if I walk up that tree and say, oh, that's an apple. Must be an apple tree. Oh, look at that. There's oranges on this thing. Must be an orange tree. Right? It don't take much if it's got fruit out there. But you know what? That apple tree don't become an apple tree when it gives off an apple. That apple tree got, gives off an apple because it is an apple tree. Hello. I got two blueberry bushes I planted this spring. That guy down at the nursery, he said, now, they won't, they won't give you no blueberries this year. But next year, you should have some blueberries. Then they still ain't got no blueberries. But they're blueberry bushes. And they don't become blueberry bushes when the blueberries grow. They're blueberry bushes, and so therefore, blueberries are going to grow. What are you saying? When you, when you get saved, the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. And when he indwells you, his love and his joy and his peace and his long-suffering and his gentleness and his kindness and his meekness and his temperance, all that comes with him. All that's in there. And as you let him throw some red flags out in your life, as you heed to the red flags, as you heed to his leading, as you heed to his guiding, as you heed to his directing, there's all of a sudden, boop, there's some love pops out on the branch. And boop, there goes some peace. Boop, there goes some long suffering. Oh, there's some gentleness, there's some kindness, there's some meekness, there's some gentleness. And all of a sudden, the fruit of the Spirit is manifested out of your life. 
And you're not saved because you have love and joy and peace, but you get love, you have love and joy and peace because you're saved. But now watch this. If I, if I don't get blueberries next year, my first question is going to be, I'm going to have one of y'all smart people come over and say, hey, now, this, this is what got blueberry bush. I don't know about it. I just agreed that guy said it was, so I bought it, you know. And you, you're going to say, well, yeah, that's, pretty, that's a blueberry. That's a, every, every blueberry bush I've ever seen, that's what it looks like. And if it does not give me a blueberry bush, and y'all smart people tell me it's really a blueberry bush, then I'm going to know there's something wrong with my blueberry bush. Right? There's something messed up. And so if there's no love, joy, peace, if there's no fruit showing out, and you know you're saved, red flag, red flag, red flag, you lose your temper really easy. Your kids, your wife, your husband, you're impatient. You're unkind to people who you think are just are inept. Are you those people, the things that mess up your plan, you're unkind. You have no self-control. Out the window. And it's everybody else's fault. Therefore, you have no peace. You have no joy. Your frustration, your anger, your bitterness have replaced the fruit of the Spirit. Red flag. Red flag. You're on the way to destruction. There's some little stuff that's about to cause a big mess. There's some unseen things in your life about to cause some destruction in your life. Or maybe, maybe you no longer read your Bible, you don't pray, you're, you're, you're missing church, or a church doesn't bother you, you, you don't want to be around God's people, you're doing things you once thought that you were done with, the fruit of the Spirit is sadly lacking in your life, or maybe you're just all about you. It's all about your rights. You're tired of putting everything else above your wants. I want this, I want that. I, 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 I. Sounds like that man with him barns. He said, I got too much stuff coming in. So I must tear down my barns. I must build me. You know what that man is? I wrote in my Bible a long time ago, the six-eyed monster. Because there's six eyes in that little verse. You know, it's like, me, 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 me. And then the Lord said, what's going to happen when the soul's required of you? Huh? So we get all about ourselves. I said that this morning. We, we, we are the selfie generation, right? Selfie, selfie, selfie. Why are you so drawn to social media? Because that first line, what's on your mind? And you think everybody ought to know. We're all about ourselves. Y'all found yourself can I be honest? I found myself here once or twice or three times or more. These seven things, I found myself there. All right, preacher, give me some red flags. I, 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 maybe, maybe the Spirit of God's dealing with you about something tonight. And, and, and maybe God's dealing with you about one of these things or maybe something else. I, I believe the Lord will do that. So you're going to leave me there? 
No, I'm not going to leave you. So what can I do about it? I'm done real quickly. What can I do to get right? There's some red flags. I, I'm, I'm heeding to the water. So what do I do to get it right? Number one, come clean. Just come clean with God. Confess your sin to God. Repent of that selfishness. selfishness. Repent of that busyness. Repent of any other sin that you got in your life. Ask God to forgive you because He's loving. He wants to forgive you. If we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all righteousness. So number one, come clean. Number two, own your sins with others. You got anything between you and another person? Go to them humbly. Ask for their forgiveness. Watch this. Without minimizing it and without blame shifting. Well, if I've done anything to offend you, you have. I've had them come to me. I'm sorry. What are you sorry about? Well, if I've done anything, well, obviously you've done something because you're coming to me. <laughs> but you know what? I've done that same thing to people. Hey, now, now, if I've done something to offend you now, no, and I have. Or blame shifting. I told the story in Bible class this morning about a guy with a boy at the school. We are, we're only two months in. This boy's already got in trouble. He's already been to the office three times. Little boy. All three times. Every time. Without fail. Probably going to have, now he's going I may have to see him this week. He's going to say the same thing probably. But I, when he comes into my office, I say, what are you doing in my office? And this is what he said. Well, my little brother wakes me up at night. Little brother's like two. My little brother don't let me sleep. And I said, whoa, whoa, is your little brother here? No. But it ain't his fault. But you know what? God, the Holy Ghost has dealt with me all three times and said, you do that same stuff? I said, yeah, but they done. And if they would just do right, I would do right. Don't do that. Come clean with God. Own your sins. Number three, pray. Make a commitment tonight that I'm going to pray regularly. You say, well, I don't know what to pray. The Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, it's a good place to start. He said, just read that. It's the Word of God. He said, they asked him, how do we pray? He said, here's how you pray. When you pray, say this. It'd be a good place to start. It's a good outline anyway. Set a time. Tonight, before you go to bed, set a time. Every day I'm going to meet you at this time. And put an alarm on your phone. Use that phone for everything else. Use it for some good and set an alarm for a prayer time. And then ask the Lord as you pray, ask him to incline your heart to him and ask him to give you hunger for the word of God back. Or if you've never had it, ask him to give it to you. Number four, start reading your Bible. You might not be motivated to start reading and some of us are not natural readers. Some of us don't like reading. I'm a math, I got a math degree on purpose, y'all. <laughs> I went to school and for my last two years of college, college we wrote in symbols and numbers and it was a blessing wonderful I like numbers I like that stuff I don't want to read a book I'm not a naturalist let's just sit down and read a book that's all sounds like fun no it don't that's boring <laughs> I mean I mean y'all like that that's wonderful I don't my, my wife's like I want one of them Amish books I want well, you take it I don't want a book you say well you got all them books right yeah because God called me to this, and he's given me a desire to read and study his word, understand, but, but I just don't like to sit down and read. So you might not be motivated. Well, start reading. Read a psalm a day. Read a proverb a day. One proverb a day, one proverb a day, you get it done in a month. 
Read through one of the gospel accounts. Hey, I'm preaching to the gospel of John. Read the gospel of John. Now, well, you know, you'll know what I'm going to be preaching on. I'm preaching on Wednesdays on Titus. Read through the book of Titus. You'll know what I'll be preaching on. Start reading it. And then I'll say this. If you've never read regularly, don't start saying, I'm going to read 10 chapters tonight before I go to bed. Probably ain't going to happen. You've never read one chapter, read one first. If you've never read one verse, read one verse first. <laughs> Number five, get back in church. I know you're here, you're physically here, but get in. You know, get, get in. Enjoy the fellowship time. Don't be the ones. I, I seen a meme not long ago. And it says, it was a husband and a wife, and it says, we have no friends at church. And then it has, under it says, also us at church. And as soon as the church is let out, they're running out the door. You know, we have no friends at church, but we leave as soon as the bell rings, basically, right? Fellowship. Get in. I understand there's times we all got to get out of here. But get, get in. Watch this. Make yourself accountable to somebody. I wrote this down. I heard it from somewhere. It ain't original. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. <laughs> we need each other. We got to have one another. The Bible says about, talks about have, you know, when you, having the people with you, because when you fall, somebody there to pick you up. Ecclesiastes 4, I believe it is. If you fall, somebody can pick you up. If you're cold, somebody can warm you up. We need each other. Do you have an accountability partner? You need one. I have two in my life. Two specific people. My wife is my accountability partner. Brother Chris Hewitt is my other accountability partner. And years and years and years and years ago, we sat down with each other. Me and Brother Chris got honest. And I said, Brother, and, and we both said, hey, if, will you be my accountability partner? When I'm struggling, can I be honest with you? And will you help me pray? And, not, and what I mean by pray, don't give prayer requests on Wednesday night about it. <laughs> you know, we gossip in prayer requests. Hey, I'm not gossiping, but we need to pray about that. Don't do that. But you need somebody accountable. Somebody you can call or text and say, hey, I'm struggling. Can you pray with me? And then lastly, accept his mercy and his grace. Listen, we serve a gracious God. He loves you. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't put the red flag out there. If he didn't love you, he'd just let you go off in the ocean. If he didn't love you, he'd let you throw your little match out. Listen, you and I, we cannot do this Christian life perfectly. It ain't going to happen. We're all going to fall short. We're all going to fail him. News flash, that's why he died on the cross. He didn't just die for your sins before you got saved. He died for your sins now. So when we drift, when we're headed down the road of destruction, I'll give you seven, seven, I'll give you three sevens today. I'll give you seven doctrines out of chapter one, seven red flags, but I'll give you seven steps that'll make a huge difference in your life. Hey, don't let the enemy, the devil, the flesh, the world, don't let anybody tell you you've gone too far. Don't let anybody tell you you've messed up too much. I remember a man, I was a teenager and I was trying to live for the Lord. 
And I was messing up, man. I, kept, I just kept messing up. And I had a man tell me, he, this is what he said. He said, how many times do you think God's going to forgive you? I'm telling you, it bothered me. I didn't know the answer. I got to thinking. This man was a drunk. Still is. How many times do you think God's going to forgive you? You keep messing up. And I thought, oh my. And this is what I thought. As I was about 16 years old. And I thought, man, if anybody's ever exhausted the forgiveness of God, I have. Oh man, what if he's right? What if I've run out of times? I started searching the scriptures and trying to find how many times he'd forgive. And I couldn't find a number. I couldn't find a limit. And I'm telling you, I wasn't even a shouter back then, but I got to shouting. But thank God, that don't give me license to sin. That does not make me want to go out and live just any old way. No, it, it makes me want to live for him even more. But listen to me, you ain't messed up too much. You ain't gone too far. But watch this, worse than that, listen to Melissa, if you don't hear, don't let him deceive you to think your drifting is not a big deal. Don't let Satan, the world, the flesh, don't let the enemy make you think you're drifting. It ain't no big deal. You know how I know when young people are drifting and it's a big deal? They'll say, oh, ain't nothing wrong with that. Or I'll, I'll come and I'll say, everything Okay. Yeah, everything's okay. What about this? That ain't no big deal. It's a big deal. You know how I know when I'm messing up? I start justifying. It ain't no big deal. It ain't no big deal. The worst mistake you can make is think it's not a big deal because just one little spark can set a wildfire. One tide in can pull you out. So come back to the Father. Confess your lack of faithfulness and fall into the arms of one who loves you and will forgive you. There's some red flags I'm trying to give you tonight. As your pastor, I love you. And watch this. You say, I wonder if he's talking to me. Yes, yes, yes. Don't call me next Saturday night at 10.30. Now, preacher, you preach that red flag. Well, I wonder if he's talking to you. Here it is. Yes, yes, yes. You know something specific? Maybe some of you, I might know some stuff specific. And some of you, I don't. But you better not worry about the preacher knowing something specific. Because God does and he's throwing out some red flags. Some red flags on the way to destruction. You say, well, I don't know. The Lord didn't necessarily deal with me with nothing specific. Maybe you need to ask the Lord. Search me, O God. 